The waters of baptism have uh, always held the promise of new life. Uh, when we are baptized, here at Portland Mennonite Church, when we got to the Pacific Ocean for our church retreat in May, and we submerse people in the waters of the sea, we are symbolically buried. We die to the old ways. And then like Jesus, we are raised to new life. We're raised up out of the water to a new way of living together, a way that we trust is more truthful, more hopeful, uh, like the Ethiopian, more joyful. Uh, in the Mennonite church, we don't baptize infants. We baptize adults. But figuring out when somebody becomes an adult is a little bit of a sliding scale. I'm not sure I thought of myself as an adult until I was in my mid-30s. Um, but I was baptized when I was 13. And, and even then, we trust that for all the living that's still ahead of us, baptism is a significant ritual, a marker, a signpost on the way, on our journey of faith in Jesus. So this morning we have asked four people uh, to share about their baptisms, about what it meant at the time, what it's come to mean since, uh, or perhaps if they could go back, uh, what might they say to the younger self at that time about the meaning of faith and life. So we're going to hear this morning from Andre Zerbe first, and then uh, Ed Shirk, Ruth Nicely, uh, and David Holcomb. So Andre, will you come? Good morning. So I was baptized when I was 15 at Emmanuel Mennonite Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, at the time, I was really seeking a sense of belonging, um, as has been mentioned. Um, and I think as many teenagers do, um, you, you really do long for this sense of belonging to a group or feeling accepted in some sort of way. Um, and, you know, luckily at the time, you know, around that age, I had the privilege of exploring what that means. Um, but to go back a little bit of a ways, um, when I was nine, um, my family, who had been living uh, outside of L.A. in California, we uh, moved to the suburbs of St. Paul, Minnesota, completely different, <laughs> totally changed. <laughs> Um, it did bring us geographically closer to the extended family, which was the point if, you know, you're going to say, well, why would you change climate so significantly, you know? Um, and uh, so, you know, aside from that, though, what, what I noticed kind of later on is, in real, having realized this, is at that time, um, uh, as a nine-year-old, I went from this place that was very socioeconomically and racially diverse in my neighborhood, my school, my church, um, to one that in, in these suburbs was very white, wealthy, focused on materialism, uh, very hierarchical and in, in authoritative in the school setting I was in, um, which I noticed immediately just felt different significantly. Um, having grown up in a family that I would call socially and culturally radical, 
Um, in addition to my desire to belong and be genuinely accepted by those I interacted with in a very completely open way, on a very face value way, um, this whole experience really affected my self-value um, and sense of belonging, um, which in, because of my personality was very important to me. Um, at that point, I hadn't attended a Mennonite church with my family. Um, that's not to say that that wasn't a part of, in fact, a huge part of my extended family. I didn't realize until much later that actually um, I come from a whole background of ethnic Mennonites. Um, but at that point, uh, we as like a family unit hadn't specifically attended a Mennonite church. Um, and so, let's see here. Um, um, but I knew that I valued the feeling and the experience of being in a worship service with people I felt I belonged with and I could trust. Um, so even at that time, I felt, you know, conflicted philosophically um, when I would, went to my, you know, neighborhood church just a few blocks down the street. Um, that being said, because of these feelings, I decided that rather than just going nearby, I would join my dad as he drove about half an hour across the metro area each Sunday morning to attend the one Monday night church in the Twin Cities. Um, and at that point, I didn't know specifically why he had decided to attend this other church. Um, but, you know, as I started to attend more regularly with him, I certainly enjoyed, you know, finally finding others my age um, that I could relate to in much more open and genuine ways. Um, and at that point, um, I was able to join a very intimate um, class set up for me and two other girls my age led by two women who I really admired, and that just totally compelled me to drive into discussions on, you know, Anabaptist history, the confession of faith, um, interpreting the Bible. Um, I was very interested in research, academics, you know, that's, I, and here I was, finding this sort of sense of belonging, finding this sense of finally being able to sort of be my open and genuine self around um, my peers. Um, and so shortly after that, all of us would choose to be baptized at that church. Um, very different experience, um, not in the ocean, just, you know, a small little pour of maybe less than a cup of water uh, up in front of our little carpeted sanctuary. Um, but, you know, even that sort of small act, I think, was significant. Um, so, you know, reflecting on that now, almost 15 years later, um, realizing after many other, you know, growth and learning experiences, um, I can see myself and realize I am probably a more fully realized person than I was then. Um, I think I really can understand more of my self-worth, um, my personal values, um, I've had the privilege of being able to move and select the place I want to live. Um, I've been able to choose and pursue a career that I feel like much daily satisfaction from. Um, I've been able to really find some more genuine and truthful relationships with chosen friends and chosen community. Um, so I think if I were asked um, once again at this point, if I hadn't been baptized and this was the time at which I were considering it, um, I would, you know, I'd certainly 
put as much thought and consideration into this decision as they did originally. Um, but I think I would probably make the decision not out of, you know, familial obligation, maybe even sort of a fear of moral authority or even I think what drove me most at that time was this sort of sense of being able to finally be sort of in this exclusive club of people. Um, you know, I, I think at this point it would be because I want to commit to loving and supporting all of humanity in a way that everyone deserves through this universal power that is greater than we as individuals can understand. Um, and I think certainly, you know, time and big life-changing situations like, like COVID um, have actually made me, you know, think through this. It's made plain this sort of challenging realization that um, what, what, is, what is the real meaning behind why I'm still involved in this church community and what is the reason why I'm still committed? Um, again, I don't want to discount the thought and effort I put into my original decision. Um, I, you know, I definitely want to keep this attitude because I've barely lived as much life as I have before me. Um, so I'll end with sort of this one piece of inspiration that I heard uh, at the time that I just really loved, um, which is that baptism represents the start of one's spiritual journey. And throughout this journey, you'll have ups and downs, but you'll have committed to the path that this journey will continue on. my water baptism. There were quite a few of us lined up across the front of the New Holland Mennonite Church that Sunday morning in 1968. It was likely it was the springtime, though I don't remember exactly. I say likely because I, along with my brother Eric and other candidates, had accepted Jesus as Savior several months earlier at an annual autumn revival meeting on the second or third verse of Just As I Am. <laughs> we had then come to the front and confirmed our decision to the visiting evangelist, whose name I don't re recall anymore, as well as the other lay leadership of the church, including my father. We then entered a season of catechism, though we didn't call it that, several months of education and study and preparation for our baptism. The actual baptism was fairly procedural, uh, with the ministers going one at a time down the line of 10 or so of us. Um, the regional bishop participated along with the deacon and another minister, and we had been learning in the classes of the church membership that church membership came along as part of the package of baptism. Baptism was a privilege, and we were now moving into the realm of adulthood, a rite of passage. Our church, like all the other churches in our Mennonite Conference, considered baptism as a symbol of our commitment to Christ. Pouring, or sprinkling, was a much more convenient method than the exciting ocean dunking 
uh, we do here at PMC. I wonder if my experience would have been more memorable if I had been dunked in the cold Pacific instead of being sprinkled by the tepid water of the, of the church tap. <clears throat> One of the ministers cupped his hands over our heads and said, I baptize you with water in the name of the Father. And then the other minister with the pitcher would pour an ounce or so of water on our head, on, between his hands and down over our, head, our, our heads. And um, then uh, he would say, and the sun, and they would pour, and then the Holy Spirit, and then he would pour. <clears throat> and then he said, may God baptize you with his spirit from above. Then they took our hands and bid us rise to a newness of life and welcomed us into the fellowship with a handshake and a holy kiss. For propriety, there was a woman deacon, the wife of the deacon was on hand to welcome the females who were being baptized. There was a little nervous giggling from us, 11 or 12 year olds, as the water ran down our hair and onto the carpet in front of us. Afterward, the whole church paraded in front of us shook our hands and welcomed us to the church. Seemed like a pretty big deal to them. On reflection, I think the evening I accepted Jesus was more impactful for me. <clears throat> I'd been thinking about this pending decision to accept Jesus for a couple of years before. The topics of the sermons of those evangelistic meetings back then often warned that if we don't accept Jesus, we would be lost and therefore not able to go to heaven if we died. On the way, uh, the way that I, oh, <clears throat> that was a pretty powerful message for me. At the point where I said yes and stood during that hymn, I wept. And on the way home that night, my dad asked me why I had wept. And I didn't have a good answer, but said it was because I was sorry for my sins though I couldn't really think of anything in particular at the time. I remember that my, my sister Sylvia had also wept when she accepted Christ a few years earlier. Maybe I did so because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. To be honest, I think it was out of emotional relief. I had done it. I wasn't going to hell. I died. I am so appreciative of the way <clears throat> we nurture our children in this church today. I'm impressed with the thought and care that our church leadership takes to present Jesus' discipleship as a choice for life. We are now baptized so that we can live right, not so we can die right, like I did. I don't mean to second guess the preaching strategies of the tent meetings back then. They presented biblical arguments and scriptural texts that backed up the idea of that lostness was the opposite of accepting Jesus as savior. But somehow the effect of, this, of that system was that once we accept Jesus and were baptized, we had arrived, we were in. And I think that many of us felt lost or abandoned when that glow went away. Nevertheless, God was faithful 
and provided the nourishment I needed to grow and develop into an adult Christian. As usual, God is able to take our weak and flawed wisdom and theology and miraculously create something valuable. I think about that now. <clears throat> As I think about it, I wonder if I had the choice again, I think I'd take the dunking in the Pacific. At Sheridan Mennonite Church in the autumn of 1940 or 41, no, I was 40, we had a series of meetings, and yes, they were old-fashioned revival meetings. And it was during that time that I made a decision that I would follow Christ. And this was followed by my baptism the next January of 41. It was a decision made at a very early age. I was 10. But I have always believed in and I have honored that decision because it was something very deeply spiritual, very deeply meaningful, and certainly very foundational and very shaping for my theology, understanding who God is and how he wants to relate to us and we relate to him for all the rest of my life and certainly affecting a lot of more decisions that I made. If there was a bit of hellfire in it, I soon lost that sense and had much more a sense of peace and trust, of calmness, of assurance. For I do remember being baptized and mine was pouring like Ed described and by the way, he used some of the same phraseology that I heard at my baptism here in Oregon. By the way, I did not stick my toes in the Pacific. I was baptized at Sheridan Mennonite Church, <laughs> yes. Um, but it has shaped a great deal of my theology through all these years. And if there was, hmm, if there was any a sense of, I'm sorry, I'll just go on. At my baptism, I promised that I would follow Jesus and was immediately challenged by saying, how can I do this? How can I be like Jesus? And this was followed by a strong sense of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the power that brings to us for living like Jesus. And I am certainly very grateful that 
Throughout the years, I have had many experiences, many encounters that have very much shaped and reshaped and reorganized and replanned my theology. I'm very thankful for that. And if there was a sense of, well, God's in heaven and he's watching us and he wants to correct us and convict us, which is good, my, my imaging of God has become much more of a loving parent. And in some of my imaging, I see a parent and a child walking together. It can be a mother parent, it can be a father parent. Mine's still largely father and sometimes I'm trying to translate to mother because God is father and mother to us. I'm very grateful for the good influences in my life and for friends who have had conversations with me, for lots of good books to read, for having attended a Christian high school and college, and all of this has given me great strength in doing the best I can to really, truly live like Jesus. It's good to go last and hear spoken before me some of the common themes that you're going to hear me express as well. To the best of my memory, I was 10 years old um, when I was baptized on a Sunday evening at Harvest Christian Church. The baptisms took place in, in the baptistry, so we, we immersed. Um, so if you can imagine a, a building that would hold about 100 people, so quite a bit smaller than this, and behind... There was a baptistry where you could walk down into uh, water up to about here, probably waist high. And so that's where I was baptized. There were actually three of us that evening who were baptized. Two others who were also ten, two friends of mine, Jeff and Dennis. And in the tradition of the restoration movement of which Harvest was a part, baptism was really, really important. Um, not just a symbol, but something happened. That's when forgiveness was granted to you in the the belief of the church. And so we didn't practice baptism of infants, but as soon as you reach this kind of age of accountability where you knew, kind of echoing some of the things that Ed said earlier, when you knew, oh, there's something, some sin that's here in my life, even though you might not be able to identify exactly what that might be, um, it was really important that one is baptized. One other piece uh, that's telling from that evening that I remember is that all three of us, Jeff, Dennis, and I, we were able to choose our favorite hymn to sing during this Sunday evening service. I'm not 100% certain, but I am pretty confident that the one I chose from our hymn book, which I still have, Sacred Selections of the Church, was number 343. It won't be very long. I don't know if any of you have heard this old hymn. Um, the gist of it was that time on earth is short. And the chorus posed this question, will you be ready 
get ready for that day, it won't be long. And I look back at the verses um, this weekend, and actually the verses are quite positive. You know, it's about uh, the joy and the anticipation of heaven. But that question in the, the chorus, will you be ready, posed a different kind of slant to it. And that's what I remembered. It's this idea of, ooh, judgment. Um, and so as you can likely guess from that and from all that I've told you so far, my perception of God at the time leaned heavily towards this idea of God as judge, one who's willing to separate the sheep and the goats, you know. So there are lots of images of God that can be found in the Bible. And so I'm really grateful that over the, the decades since, I've come to see many more other than God as judge. I'm grateful to have a more complete understanding, you know, starting down this path that Andra mentioned, that new, new visions open up. And so now, rather than God as judge, the most compelling image to me is God as love in whom there is no darkness at all. It's a love that will not let us go, a love that will descend into the depths of hell to reclaim us if that's necessary, a love so strong that no power can separate us, no power on earth or anywhere from God's love. A love that's not a, well, do whatever you like, it's all okay, but it's a love that will refine us and shape us even though that might be painful, into the creatures that we're intended to be. It's a love that embraces all, and I mean all, all people. And it won't be complete until all are welcomed home. So now when I think about baptism, I don't see it as you know, some necessary legal step to meet the legal requirements of this God as judge but I see it as being immersed into this deep, deep love of God and being raised to walk in this new life, recognizing the love that surrounds us. There's this prayer that you've likely heard from uh, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament where the writer says this, I pray that you will have the power, excellent this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I really appreciated Simon's video earlier. And so you've got this contrast for me of this small baptistry and this limited vision. Compared with this, this deep vision. Sorry. Compared with this really deep picture of the love of God as represented by the ocean and our invitation is to explore that ocean to explore that love for us and that's a lifelong journey for all of us may we make that journey